0: (laughs) damn this is good Perfect. Uh. perfect
1: all right Welcome to a new episode of Access Podcast. You're listening to Irene, the teacher, and today I have a very, very special guest. I'm super excited. We met by a coincidence at a Spotify event. We're going to talk more about that. Welcome, Bauke Top.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Bauke Top.
1: It's so exciting that you're here. How are you today?
0: I'm doing very good. I was very excited to come here because yeah. we had a very nice conversation at the podcast Spotify event.
1: Spotify event. I mean, it was a kind of a, sp- a podcast I event It kind as of well. was. Yeah. I
0: thought the event was kind of boring. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was very drawn out. It was, <laughs> but it was fun to hang out there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was nice that we got to talk. Right. Highlight. It so was. It
1: was very nice to talk to you. Let's start with... uh, Should we start with who you are and then go back to the Spotify event? Because then it's going to make sense. Perfect,
0: perfect. So So, tell us. Who am I? Now, I wonder wonder this every day. (laughs) (laughs) And I wake up and I get into some existential crises. But uh, who am I? Hi, I'm Bauke Top, born 1995. I'm from the Netherlands originally. Mm -hmm. I've been living in Stockholm for almost four years. I have been making music, well, my whole life practically. Uh... But I think, okay, well, let's make it a life story quickly. I started playing piano when I was young, then played in bands. Through that, I got into electronic music production and DJing. After, well, in 2019, I quit my DJ thing and a friend of mine approached me to start making lo-fi beats. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is also a bit why I'm here right now. And that is what I've been doing for the last three and a half years Kind of until this fall and this winter, and now I'm transitioning into doing more of my own stuff. But mm-hmm. in short, I'm a musician, producer, and uh, whatever musical thing you <laughs> want me to be, I will be.
1: I am that. <laughs> I am that. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of people have ha- have listened to lo-fi. And lo-fi is usually a big part of people's life yes. lives it, because it creates a mood. It creates a atmosphere, right? And... You can I say you are lo-fi fruits?
0: <laughs> no, that it no? no, absolutely not, because there is <laughs> then I also get into legal trouble. But okay, it's Okay, no, okay, okay, we we'll take that back. Nay, 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 nay. <laughs> no, like, so it is very important. Like I am just um Uh, I am a hired gun for Lo-Fi Fruits. So the Mm -hmm. label Lo-Fi Fruits is a part of Fruits Music. Mm -hmm. And Fruits Music is a Dutch uh, label Mm. that has been started by an old classmate of the music school I went to in the Mm. Netherlands. And uh, so it's his company and his label. And as uh, Lo-Fi Fruits started to become a thing, he had this idea of, hey, three and a half years ago, Lo-Fi was still in the... It was a booming niche, but it was still kind of the niche with yeah. Lo-Fi Girl and that anime thing on YouTube mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it hadn't really broken into the mainstream yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, my friend uh, Stefan Vught he just felt like, oh, this is an opportunity. He is a magician with making streaming numbers go up, finding audiences for music. That is really what he is best at. Wow. So, yeah, so through that, he realized, hey, that lo-fi thing, that's really something. And he liked it. So he started uh, approaching producers that he knew to make some beats for this new label he wanted to start. And so I was first part of a group of producers. Mm -hmm. I don't know the other ones. That was, uh, it was all just uh, separate. But over time... I just need money to be honest so <laughs> I just kept on doing it I kept on doing it and then for I became their only provider for a long time because I was mm. just making so much music and mm. that led to making hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of beats in a few years Wow! And, uh, ah, so that's how it came to be
1: can we say the majority is your work
0: yeah so yeah. the biggest thing with Lo-Fi Fruits is their playlist mm-hmm. that has got a lot of followers yeah. and uh, they're very good at that they put a lot of advertising uh, budget behind that so they, uh, mm-hmm. the biggest playlist in lo-fi they want to be right now on the playlist as we are speaking on the 22nd of march 2023 <laughs> um 98 of the songs in the playlist are made by me and you yeah. can see it on the producer credits if you go to like more yeah, yeah, info yeah, yeah. i've worked hard on that so the the <laughs> you can see are uh, produced by Bauk top yeah um there are a handful of songs that became very successful that are still from 2020 and 2019 yeah And they are made by some other people, I don't know. But I think that is less than 10 amongst a list of, I think, almost 500 songs.
1: Okay, which one is your most streamed one? Is it Stan?
0: It might be Stan or it might be I'm Yours. Oh, yeah. So that's, I guess, good to say. It's like we do a lot of covers as well. Yeah. And this is the interesting thing. In the meantime, I'm opening this up.
1: That one is always on the top of every playlist. Stan. Stan. Yeah, Yeah.
0: because it's also one of the hardest bangers we've made. It's the... uh, We're very proud of that one. Yeah, um, you should be. It's it's got such an atmosphere going in. There's a bit of a fun story with that because I've always been... uh, So Stan is definitely one of the most popular ones Mm -hmm. and also one of the... Some of the older covers, I wasn't as good at producing them yet. So they're not as slick, even though they might have gotten a lot of streams. Mm -hmm. And Stan really hits that sweet spot of like great song, Mm -hmm. great production, and it really came together nice. Mm -hmm. So I've always been obsessed with trying to recreate um, songs as I started learning production. And then I would get like, okay, but how would they have recorded this? And how would they have made Mm -hmm. this? So in order to make that cover... Of Stan and Stan samples, uh, what is the song called by Dito? It samples this other song. Yeah. So, first I went about reco- trying to recreate the original song that they mm-hmm. sampled, and then I recreate that, and then I resample it and make it sound like a sample, make this whole dramatic intro with rain <laughs> and thunder, get into the mood, and then bring the chill in. So, ah, wow. happy with that one. I
1: mean, we're going to go through the whole process yes. because this is so many questions here. So I want to go back to when we met at the Spotify yes. event. <laughs> it's so funny because we met uh, at uh, at the, the forks. At the forks.
0: Or the lack of forks. <laughs> <laughs> that is where we met. The lack of forks.
1: Yeah, so we both had food, but we didn't have cutlery. <laughs> and then you were like, yeah, maybe we can eat this like with our hands. But then we separated.
0: We separated. We separated. Heartbreaking <laughs> moment.
1: Heartbreaking. <laughs> because then the uh, live uh, live presentation started from L.A. Yes. So we all had to be quiet, so uh. we couldn't really talk. But then later... Uh, we met again, and then we started talking, and we w- we just started talking about life.
0: We just did, yeah,
1: right. And then you went to get a drink or candy yeah. or take a photo. It was something, <laughs> whatever, whatever. You you left, and I w- I sat with your friends, and they started hyping you up.
0: Yes, as they <laughs> do, which is very kind. Yeah, it also makes me very uncomfortable, oh, but yeah, really, yeah.
1: No, but they they uh, they were like, oh, have you ever heard of like fi fruits? I was like, yeah, I, I'm a math teacher, so I play that for my students all the time when I don't have an introduction of something. So when they're working, there's lo-fi fruits in the background. Every time.
0: Freaking amazing.
1: Every time. And they were like, yeah, you know, the guy you're talking to, Baoke, he he's made, like, all of the songs. <laughs> and then... I was very excited, but I was also like, why didn't he tell me? <laughs> We've been talking for an hour.
0: <laughs> this is more or less a running theme in my life, actually, yeah? that I, uh, I, I don't know, I never really put forward. Like I just say, I'm a musician. That's what matters, I think. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I uh, don't really push that what forward.
1: I, I understand, and I, I think it says a lot about you. In a sense, it shows how much you love it. Very true. Because it, it doesn't need to be this, like, hi, my name is Bauke, I do this. You yeah, know, exactly. It doesn't define you, but you love it so much that, I, I don't know, it's just a feeling. Because also at Spotify events, you tend to run into people who, <laughs> do you know that during this event, someone told me, like, you don't know who I am?
0: Yes, but that's exactly what you expect at an <laughs> event like that.
1: I was so uncomfortable. Yeah. I was like, "No, I'm I don't so no."
0: Are you the king? I don't know.
1: I don't know. Yeah, it's you have like both of the spectrum. Someone who is really like accomplished, but doesn't tell you who he is, and then you have someone up and coming who's like, "You don't know who I am."
0: Actually, but this is a, this is actually an interesting thing because I don't. Um, I genuinely don't know exactly what I can talk about and what I can't talk about because we did go really? through a little legal twist and it's like wow. I definitely But anyway, back in the day when I started I didn't have any rights to my music mm. and I also wasn't allowed to say that I made the music. Wow. Now I am and I'm very happy for that and I'm very Was
1: that the legal twist?
0: Uh, part of it. It okay. Was part of it. But um so also, even though I made all this music and I really learned a lot from it, I couldn't mm-hmm. identify as it and that also puts you in a weird spot where it's hard to be proud of the success that mm. that the music may have had, that mm. there's the success of the music and there's the work I've done, but they weren't connected. So mm. I, that also does something to your confidence maybe that it's like, wow. oh yeah, that it's like there's a disconnect there that even that you almost feel a bit pain for the success it has because you don't experience that yourself. Mm. But that has gotten a lot better thanks to well us figuring things out. And yeah. it also brought me and uh, ah, my friend Steph at a way better level together. So that's mm. a very good thing. So that's a part of it. And a part of it is also, I think the confidence thing, it, it has a part to do with confidence, as you say, as well. My whole life has always been music. For me, it's obvious mm-hmm. that I do music. That is who mm-hmm. I am. That is just what happens as I live and breathe. I can't yeah. not do music. So yeah. it's, yeah, sure, I will say I'm a musician, but I don't need... Uh, like, if, if questions come, I, w- I will happily well yeah. do a five-hour podcast about <laughs> it. <laughs> but it's, yeah. oh, it's just like, I re- I'd rather just have a human conversation yeah. than take over by, yeah, I'm a musician. Yeah, yeah listen yeah. to me.
1: I mean, but that's what you expect out of those events, no?
0: Very true and it made me also that also makes me a bit uncomfortable with those <laughs> events in general it's uh i i don't know like that i want to hear how you felt in the at 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 that whole event yeah. also with your interest in podcasting and of course you want to move somewhere in the world and you want to get to know people mm-hmm. i've always been very sensitive to oh now there is important people around i should network i should talk mm. i should uh and uh, I well, we both talked about it as well. We're both good at uh, chatting up a bit and doing some small yeah. talk and getting people to know you and like you a bit. So I, especially my DJ days when I was younger, when there was some bigger artist or some label person, then I would... Mm. In a very nice way, but really just make an effort. Like I'm gonna make sure they remember me, and I'm gonna take off my pant. And I- <laughs> no, it was you like-
1: said you would stay
0: out of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Damn it, <laughs> keeps happening. <laughs> but uh, so how the-
1: how would you make them remember you? No, How would you stand out?
0: I would just really make an effort to just talk to them and just, like, okay. get ask them questions and get to know uh-huh. something about them. And just, like, be my funny uh, self. D- did it work? Uh, I think it did, but it always made me feel very empty afterwards because I realized I was just, like, I realize nowadays. I, w- I was presenting different parts of myself and I was just, like, really pushing myself forward. But not, not, not while bragging about myself. But okay. I just really wanted to make a connection with this person. Mm. And I felt like it was so necessary. Because they might hold something that I need in my career. Mm. That they might hold some... Yeah. Oh, if they're a label person, I need to make a connection with them. So I can... uh oh, my music can go there. Whatever. And I've really dropped all of that. Like, 100%. Mm-hmm. I'm just like... Because sometimes those people might not even have been interesting to talk to. But I would make mm. an effort and an effort and an effort. Just mm. to, to make a personal connection with them. But I realized... I don't want to work with people who i also wouldn't want to who i also wouldn't be able to grab a drink with or if it doesn't happen naturally then it's going to be forced and my that might translate itself back to if i'm then trying to get something from them even my intentions whether i'm aware of it at that moment or not might not be very true to my core so then it's like wow yeah don't force things just let things happen so if yeah
1: Did you realize this afterwards looking back or did you realize this in the moment?
0: Uh, Like,
1: oh, I know, I know this, but I really need to make a connection to that person because that person is in power. I was
0: aware of that. I felt that pressure Mm -hmm. of like, oh, yeah, oh, this is an important person. I should definitely get to know them and I should definitely get into their zone. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was very aware of that. But I wasn't as aware of that second part yet where I realized that if I'm forcing something, mm-hmm. that means that it's not part of my natural existence Ooh. of my, and it makes life so much easier mm-hmm. to just like, yeah, you might run into, well, for example, that we started talking and then yeah. podcasting becomes a thing. That was a very natural thing.
1: That was super, yeah. And then it feels
0: <laughs> very fun. And then yeah. it feels very... True and good, and you mm. know that what's going to come from it is good, so then yeah. it's like, "Ah, but how do you feel at like a spotify event where it's do you feel pressure to talk to people and to know, do you know who I am? Do you feel that pressure
1: That's a very interesting question because first of all, I wasn't personally invited to that event you snuck I f- in I snuck in nice not not snuck in like I snuck my way into the list, yeah. But I'm in a stage right now with the podcast that I know that I need to be in those rooms yeah. because I know there's people exactly how you're describing who can do something for me, who, can, who are of importance for my growth. Absolutely. So I know that these events, they're not just events. This is really like where I need mm. to make a connection. And usually I'm very good at networking. Usually I'm very... I think I see it almost as a hobby. I think yeah. it's super nice because I have a very curious personality uh outside from work, outside from everything. So, for me just meeting new people is a is a fun thing at a for example, Spotify event. Do you have all of these personalities that are are very special? Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> if I can put it like that.
0: And that can be good or bad good or, or both. bad, yeah. <laughs>
1: um and some people do not want to be approached no it becomes hard for me to connect to them so i i tend to more be on a observe mm. observers point of view yeah exactly when when I come in a room, I usually scan the room mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, who's the powerful one? Who?
0: Yeah, I could see a laser beam go across the room, and you were like, bleep, 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 you scanning everything. It? <laughs> no, <laughs> I was
1: like, Whoa, <laughs> it's so obvious. <laughs> no, no, no but it's it, because I'm very comfortable. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I I scan the room. I see like because it's very in, it's very easy to see who's in power. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, tell me, how do you see it?
1: For example, you can see. Where everyone is looking. Yeah. It's very. Who is everyone kind of drawn to? Flocking around. Yeah, flocking around. Who is laughing the loudest? Yeah. There's so many indicators that says who the most Mm -hmm. powerful person in the room is. Um,
0: Sometimes they don't have forks. You and me. Most powerful people in the room. No forks. Exactly. Giveaway.
1: (laughs) Exactly. The whole time that I sat and talked Mm -hmm. to you, It was just literally just pure enjoyment.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just making a friend, talking, having fun. Exactly.
1: It was no intention of like, oh, he might have something that I want.
0: No, exactly.
1: And when you said about the whole music production and all of that, I was literally, first of all, stunned. I was like, I use this in my math class. (laughs) So that was the whole like freaking out part. (laughs) And then when you started talking about like the process and a little bit, and we didn't really go into it really deep. Then I saw I was like, "Oh, this would be so good on a po- on my podcast, exactly. and that's how it, yeah, and I'm so glad I'm so glad that that was the way
0: there's a different energy then, but also actually, what I realize as I'm hearing you describe, like yeah, very you come into these events very with a with an intention mm-hmm. very uh intentfully, and I think what I realize is that right now myself, I'm currently in a period of my life after coming out of the whole lo I thing doing yeah. that intensely these last well four or five months have for me been about coming back to myself and trying to figure out exactly what my voice is in music mm. what it, i want to present the artist back top and i want mm-hmm. to see yeah what is my voice yeah and i realized that with the podcast thing you have going on that mm. you have a very clear yeah you're you are already expressing something you have an expression and you already have this thing that you so then it makes a lot of sense to then you know what you need and want Mm -hmm. and so it makes a lot of sense to push towards a certain Mm -hmm. direction and because i've been thinking about this every time i thought about making connections with people i i kind of uh (laughs) i kind of like separated in my head i'm like okay right now i am just focusing on trying to keeping on Listening to my intuition, whatever my intuition says is the boss right now, yeah. because that is how I'm trying to figure out what it is I really like making. Mm. And what really just comes out naturally. Mm. And before that, I don't have anything to push for yet onto somebody. Mm. I don't have any reason to reach out to this label person yet. Yeah. Sure. I if a nice uh, if a nice natural connection, spontaneous connection pops up, amazing. If I get to know some label people, for example, it's but a bonus. It's a bonus. But right now. I very much, re- I just feel like, no, but how can I pitch myself if I don't even know what I have to oh, say yet? And yeah. that is the that is the core of it, I think, yeah. why I feel right now. But it's like,
1: no. Are you okay with it? Like not knowing right now?
0: Uh, right now, in this moment, I am. But then yeah. the other day, it might be a massive uh, mental breakdown. Okay. And before that, it might be completely fine again. But mm-hmm. I'm very incredibly aware of this process. Like yeah. this is truly a process and... All the lo-fi I've done has allowed me to take it very easy these last four months. So I have just been recording music every day or every other day, writing stuff, every time doing it in a different way. So Mm -hmm. trying how I would do a pop session, trying how I would make a lo-fi beat, trying how I would use to make a more dance beat and stuff like that. All these different production techniques Mm -hmm. or just recording everything with organic instruments and stuff like that. And every time I felt like I was, yeah, trying to just like listen, feel, is this my expression? Does this come naturally? And this also goes goes for life. Am I in the mood for a Snickers bar right now? Yes. Okay, (laughs) then eat it and don't think about it. Am I in the mood for broccoli right now? Yes. Okay, then eat it. No, don't eat it. Just it's really a process of intention and intuition. And Mm. it comes with massive. I ah, have moments feeling incredibly lost, like over the last, yeah. uh, like this weekend. Then some massive dips come up, and then mm. need to call my parents. It's like, okay, this sucks, yeah, super much. This mm-hmm. is like feeling incredibly lost, don't know where it's going. And even in that moment when I feel very low, I know that that is just part of the process. It's just part of coming closer to that core, but it. Sometimes you was like, can I just get a little hint or something can yeah. I where it's all gonna but go? But is
1: this something you've realized that you're aware of now? Or have you because you've done music production so mm-hmm. long, was is this something you've always been aware of?
0: Yes and no, but it's like in a different way, uh, mm-hmm. it feels more urgent now. It feels more urgent after having done the DJ thing, which I did for five years together okay. with another classmate of mine. And uh, oh, that was
1: a great class. That
0: was, it, <laughs> actually, like there is like the the people in my class, I say guys, but there the, there was a beautiful divide of I think twenty four guys and one girl, poor <laughs> thing. But uh, actually. It's so beautiful to see because all of my classmates, Mm -hmm. we all came in there, I think, yeah, in your early 20s or late teenage years. And then it's three years that you just are around other people who are crazy like you. And in the beginning, you have a lot of sometimes you maybe feel competitive. You maybe feel like there's some overlap. If they are having success, I could feel a bit bitter. You know, it's like, Uh. that's my success they're taking there. But then as everybody evolves, you really see that everyone is becoming their own individual. Yeah. And it's ridiculous how successful some of my classmates are. Like yeah. uh, so many of them are really the best in their field. And mm-hmm. I feel incredibly humbled by them. Just like yeah. they are so good at what they do. But,
1: but do you feel competition now?
0: No, not at all. And that's the beautiful thing. Why? I'm, I'm because I have realized that it's a bit, well, with this whole intentional thing and also to force something or not first of all this also why i say they're taking my success no it's not how that works if mm. they are having success that's their success yeah. that's their path and my path is mine and i am realizing that yeah i can't force anything i just my path is mine whether mm. whether people will hear my music now or in a million years they look back yeah. and some alien looks says oh that was oh, pretty nice was <laughs> <laughs> damn son <laughs> he made some bangers <laughs> Uh I prefer if it happens now, but it's
1: um <laughs> You're before your time. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. So I now every time I just talk with some old classmates,
1: mm-hmm.
0: there's a handful that I'm still in touch with, uh but the other ones you just see on Instagram or whatever. I I just feel proud. I'm just like, those are my classmates. They did yeah. great. So that's that feels good.
1: I can I can really uh I can really relate to that feeling because I'm in a um, Like a creatives community now, it's called. And there's a lot of podcasters and up and coming for us to be able to just chit chat about stuff. And when I talked, when I mentioned this to some people, they're like, oh, do you really want to like give advice to your competitor? And it's so crazy. I don't feel that type of competition with them or anyone else. And I mean, obviously, I want to have success and I want to be the best. Obviously, mm-hmm. but I have realized that what makes my podcast unique is me.
0: But exactly, you,
1: because because I'm not the first person doing a podcast. I'm not the first Wait, person. You, do- <laughs> you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I'm not. I, there's probably someone out there doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, but I have to be confident in myself that what makes this podcast unique. Is me exactly. and nobody can take me.
0: No, exactly.
1: And realizing that, I, I don't feel any competition.
0: No, but that's the thing because it's odd. Uh, this used to be such a thing, especially in like producer circles. And if you're yeah. like up and coming, you're learning stuff, then it's like, how did you make that sound? You know, and then somebody's like, I don't really want to yeah. share, you know, <laughs> this is my little secret sauce. <laughs> but then yeah. I realized like always being very open about, yeah, I made this like this and I made this like that. Because yeah. I just realized exactly what you say, like. I might give away all the ingredients, but what put them together is me. Every yeah. note I lay down on a piano, even if two people play the same chord on a piano, every little, every song I've heard, every conversation I've had makes that note the note that only yeah, I could play that way. Exactly. And so that's the beauty. And mm-hmm. if somebody else would get success with the advice that I've given, for example...
1: What an accomplishment.
0: What an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And then in the best case scenario... They will be grateful, yeah, in the worst case scenario, it will be a great wh- reason for me to follow up my own advice. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like
1: you're very humble. I love it.
0: and and the more <laughs> success there is around you, it's a positive thing. Yeah. If you want people around you to be accomplished, no matter yeah. if I'm accomplished or not. you just want people to do well. Mm-hmm. It's better for everyone.
1: But you know, I've noticed um, that people who have their own passion and own path are very likely to help you in yours.
0: Ah, that's but, a good point.
1: But someone who doesn't have a passion or a project or something can be very intimidated and therefore not want to cheer you on.
0: Yeah, because it's a fragile thing at that point. It is. And you're like, ooh.
1: Yeah. I just want, oh. yeah.
0: And that's a bit of that thing, which you also said, that is like, you don't like, don't you know who I am? That is, or like, <laughs> that you're like, hey, oh. I'm this, and I am a musician, and I've done this and this. Yeah. That shows that there's just like, okay, there's a need to express that in that way because they Mm. need to protect that in a way. They need to, okay, they need to affirm it for themselves. Yeah, yeah.
1: definitely. It's more for themselves than (laughs) it is for me. And I think one dangerous thing is when you start to identify yourself with your work because Mm. when your work is uh, struggling, you will be struggling. Ah, that's an interesting point. But if you separate yourself, Mm -hmm. you can can see it construct, you can take constructive uh, criticism. You can see like, you can make an analysis and be like, oh, that's why it's struggling. Let's do it differently yeah, exactly. and go back up. When people start to see it in that sense and not identifying as but because what happens if it disappears?
0: Do you disappear? Do you <laughs> disappear? I I just might.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but, no, but, but I, I think I think that's when people really struggle.
0: Mm, I think that's a very good point. And uh uh, bec- that is also what is hard with taking feedback sometimes yeah. because it's like you hear something and it's like, I fucking this like, who, who do you think you are? <laughs> well, how? Who do you think yeah, you're criticizing yeah, what I yeah, did? Yeah. And I, 90% of the time it turns out I tried <laughs> and I was like, yeah. He
1: was like, yeah <laughs> <true." laughs> I was actually right. But, okay, thank
0: yeah, you. but, th- but,
1: but that's, that's, I think, it's a process. You have to learn to separate yourself from it your is. work. And also, I mean, if you're putting so much time, energy and passion into it, you want it to evolve, no? Absolutely. So that's the least you can do for your for your project, for your baby. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think that is such a good point as well. I think the most important thing is for your baby, that is also the creativity, I think, mm-hmm. whatever it is that sparks that inside of you. I think the most important thing is to be respectful towards that Ooh. and to respect it deeply. And yeah. that means also, yeah, if somebody says, hey, I think you... If now it depends also how somebody says it, of Of course, course. it's okay to be sensitive around things, but at least consider, at Mm. least try. It's like because if there is an opportunity to make that creativity come out even better and Mm -hmm. even nicer, then you owe it to that sweet creativity to try it out. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is, I know this from in the studio. I know this because I can be a stubborn, stubborn man. Uh, it's like, no, oh, what are you saying? Because I may be lazy <laughs> or I feel annoyed by somebody saying, maybe we should try this. Yeah. Like, well, who do you think you are? This might be somebody I care deeply about. Yeah, but yeah. Then I know, I have just learned to shut up that part of my brain. Mm-hmm. It's like, shut up, little sensitive piece <laughs> of poop in my head. Uh, and I'm like, okay, okay. Uh, I know it's just try it out. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing is that you will usually both hear the same thing. That as you try it out, you will both hear, ah, that did work or that did not work. Mm. Or it will lead to a new idea. Mm-hmm. Okay, it almost works, but let's try this. Yeah. So that is a beautiful thing of feedback as well. Yeah. Try and incorporate it. And usually you will both hear or not, like yeah. that it works or not. So yeah. it's... I,
1: you questions know, let, let's do questions i feel like we can talk for hours yes. oh this is going to be dangerous for <laughs> yes. my editing part <laughs> <laughs> yes all right so let's start with this how did you first get into creating lo-fi music and what
0: inspired you to? So, uh, what inspired me? Money. No, it was well, (laughs) kind of. I mean, let's be true. It was really the... um, Now, there is a bit of a double story to this because I kind of explained how I started doing this because my friend uh, Steph started this label. Mm -hmm. That is literally how this came to be. Mm -hmm. But I've always, without realizing that I... Without having this label attached to it, lo-fi... I had always already been making beats like that. Mm-hmm. I had already always been making stuff with a lot of like textures and very moody and ambient and very, and I've been listening to stuff like that. It was just never in that proper chill, uh, yeah, uh, genre, and yeah. it was never labeled as such. So I kind of got it. I, th- I I clearly remember one of the first types of uh, the first times I started making music like that was one midnight, midnight, midnight. Listening session, I think I was still in school back then. I must have been like twenty or something. I usually produce like late into the night. I would like mm. okay, maybe come home from school it's like six o'clock, eat something, maybe play some video games, watch a movie, and then it's like eleven and as always as the as the movie ended or I was done playing some video games. I was just in, in the corner of my eye, I would see my laptop. Yeah. My, my laptop would look at me and we'd Absolutely. look at each other. It's, like, eh, it's time. It's time. And then I would just start producing and it's like, okay. And then maybe at four o'clock or something, it's like, no, it's pretty late. <laughs> and all of a sudden I was on YouTube just like browsing random music. Yeah. And there was this artist called Lapalux. Lapa and okay. this is, uh, is, he had this beautiful album cover, uh, which also really sparked the imagination. And it was mm. really this kind of, it's kind of like old school, yeah, how do you say it? Like, if I say lo-fi beats, it's way less sweet than the stuff okay. I've made now. It's really a lot more hip-hop-y. It's a little bit more electronica, mm. ambient, experimental. That is how I really came in touch with it first. Mm. And I tried to recreate that and stuff like that. And over time, yeah, using sampling and things like that, I really got into that. But then it was really... My proper lo-fi journey was thanks to the label. So that is uh, how I got into
1: did, it. Did you reach out? No. Or did they like, oh. They reached out to me. Okay. Because uh, mm.
0: Steph, uh, uh, well, knew about my specific qualities as a producer, yeah. what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And he thought that will be a great fit and uh, turned out to be. so
1: Nice. He has a good eye for, for talent. that <laughs> is
0: one of his big talents to yeah. know the right people for the right jobs. And Yeah.
1: That's so underestimated, that skill.
0: It is. It really is. But it shows in his success. So.
1: Oh, that's nice. Um, all right. What is your creative process like when making a new lo-fi track? Uh, and where does the inspiration come from?
0: Okay. So when I now I'm just going to specifically talk about the beats that are in the playlist. Okay. And this was proper work. So this was really... I would. It was practically I was having a 9 to 5. Maybe oh. a bit shorter days because... Okay. So, usually the process, yeah, wake up, you shower, you have (laughs) breakfast, but after that, okay, make a nice cup of coffee, and literally. Just, I usually sit down at the piano and lay down the chords that are going to form the basis. Of How
1: many the instruments stress. do you play? Sorry. Uh,
0: well, I'm really comfortable with piano, bass, and guitar. That is what okay. I'm really comfortable with.
1: But you can if, improvise if, the others as well.
0: Yeah. If there's an instrument, I can make it <laughs> sound nice. It I can okay. figure it out to make it sound nice. But okay, I wouldn't okay. say that I play properly other Okay, But
1: that, this helps your creative process. Immensely. Oh, Immensely. Okay.
0: So... A piano is my first language, I like to say, because yeah. that is really where I feel I have the least boundaries. Okay. So I know that if I'm uh, pressing these keys, it's going to sound like this mm-hmm. and automatically my hands and my heart know that if I want to change the mood a bit that direction after this, wow. I just intuitively know, okay, go there. Yeah. And um, on the guitar, I didn't have that same freedom. Okay. But as I started doing the lo fi stuff, I just realized I started to understand what I needed to practice in order to get that freedom. So mm. I needed to practice my skills. So I could that get that same freedom on the guitar. Okay. I'm not there entirely, not with chords, but with melodies and improvisation, okay. definitely. So I would usually sit down with the piano, start mm-hmm. some chords, and this is the first important part of the creative process. You just don't judge what comes out, just mm. like, because I know that it's already within the right spirit, okay. that I can make it smooth, that I'm already playing smooth and quietly. Mm-hmm. But don't overthink it. If that is what came out, all right. Usually it would okay. be like within a few minutes, I was like, yeah, this feels like what I'm going to do. Okay. And then record that, and I would usually just start with an eight-bar loop mm-hmm. of, and then building up. Uh, a lot of different textures and little melodic ideas. Mm-hmm. So, okay, here's the chords. Maybe layer a few extra piano notes that are just a bit as a texture. Yeah, I use the word texture often because there's a real difference between using an instrument as a texture and as something that is really saying something. Because I can play some chords spread out on the piano like, but it's like, sure, it has melodic content and it has harmonic content but it's almost more about the feeling it evokes than actually, yeah, it's not a full sentence. It's just a little...
1: <laughs> it's a little It's a
0: little <laughs> effect. And so you layer a few of those things, then maybe I pick up the guitar and I lay down even more. And as I have a little bed, which I call usually the rhythm section, okay. it might not even have drums yet, but mm-hmm. I do call it the rhythm section because it is what... It's the the driving pulse. It is the bed of the whole music. Once that is down, I would usually... For these lo fi tracks, come up with some sort of theme or a melody. And that usually came from just improvising a guitar melody. And then, as I do a few rounds of improvising, then first it is like this vague shape. And then, slowly, you trim off some of the excess fat. And mm. then you <laughs> expose this little core of a melody. And yeah. there is, oh, this is sweet. This sounds nice. Okay. Record that. And then, or they could be on the piano as well, or maybe some sampled instrument, whatever. And then uh, I'll lay down some drums, lay down a bass mm-hmm. and yeah, then start as I then I usually have a stack of like a bunch of layers. And that would from that point, I either would start making it sound nicer up until that point. I would leave everything as dry as I can and as, as flat, and simple as it is. But then usually actually what happened, uh, especially in the end when my workflow was really, was a damn machine, then I would start doing the mixing process already, so making it sound nice, or at least I think like 60% of the mixing process. So using my effects, I had this whole... Yeah, twenty-step program practically of like, okay, now I use this. And I had this whole mixing template. So it would just mm. go into that so it would sound inspiring uh, as well. And it would sound close to the finished product already. But still this is just this stack of all these instruments. It's just an A-bar loop. Okay. And from there, start muting as much as possible and take away as much as possible to Yeah, to see and spread out all these different elements. So mm-hmm. then you have this core, you have this core idea, and it usually would start with A a, a typical song would be, I take these chords that I recorded first, Mm -hmm. make that the intro, then uh, 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 progress into the the drums come in. And with the drums, you usually introduce the main theme. So it would be the chords, the bass line, maybe one or two extra chordal textures, some ambient background stuff, and the melody, the Mm -hmm. guitar melody I might Mm -hmm. just have talked about. Then uh, the second line of the melody, you might add a few of those extra textures you've incorporated. And all these songs, it's important to say, they're very short. They're like two minutes so it's uh, or less. So that also makes life a bit easier. Mm, also more challenging, but also easier. So then after maybe 16 bars of that, move in, take away the beat, the drums again. You want to keep it dynamic. It's got to stay interesting. Even though you only have two minutes, you do want to tell a bit of a story. You don't want it to be too static. You want to have some stuff happening. And I think I learned a lot of this thanks to the DJ stuff I've done because then in the tracks you build, you always want to like, yeah, there's a lot of pulsating rhythms that keep going, keep going. But, oh, a little drum fill here, a little take away the drums here for a second, filter something to keep everything moving and flowing. So then after 16 bars of that, move into a little breakdown, take away the drums, bring in maybe an extra element that you had been hiding away all this time. And then... Uh, then you, So you have that little break in between and then slowly build up to maybe what I always call the the climax or the finale mm. of like, but this is a lo-fi beat, so everything comes together. So <laughs> it's very, like, ah, okay, very, <laughs> 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 but still maybe everything comes together and then mm-hmm. you do a bit of a mix of all the themes you've done and mm-hmm. then it's the end usually. So
1: how long does this take?
0: Usually I would have this first version of a track that is, I think what I would call that is 80% done. Okay. Would usually be done within one and a half hours, so this would be oh. uh, this would be very fast, and this is the whole point. Why I also say I couldn't afford to think, but it's like that is the good <laughs> thing. I just had to uh, when I lay down those chords. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to think like, oh, but this is too cheesy, or I've done this before, or this mm-hmm. sounds like that, or whatever. But then it comes a bit down to. Hey, today, I don't feel like I did five weeks ago. No. Today, I am not all of a sudden this other person. No, But this day is unique and every, everything that will come out, as long as you just follow, just keep following. As soon as you start recording stuff, you turn uh, writing stuff, you have to turn off the critic. You cannot edit and write at the same time. Mm. You have to just create first and then the editing will come in. So it would go very quick because I'd really streamlined this whole process. So I would maybe for three days a week I would maybe make three tracks a day, mm-hmm. and then the rest. I think I made on average seven songs a week. Wow! Uh, but that would be spread out over a few days, and then there would yeah. be feedback as well.
1: Mm-hmm. So, who do you get feedback from?
0: From the label. So the label oh. uh, hired. Uh, uh, this actually is a very important part of my whole journey. In the beginning, it was one of the guys who also created the art. It was a very small outfit in the beginning. so uh, And he really he was really a lover of lo-fi and mm-hmm. he was really passionate about it. Uh, but he had a bit of a hard time balancing doing his work and also doing the feedback on yeah. my tracks. So at some point, they ha- hired an A&R to do actually just the feedback and stuff like that. A&R? Uh, artist and repertoire. So this is the person in the label, uh, dear listeners, that is the person who is... Responsible for keeping the artists happy and keeping their repertoire nice <laughs> and coming and neat, so they take okay. care. Yeah, it's really <laughs> the A and R. Uh, so they are usually also the people in traditional labels who mm-hmm. uh, find new people, who find new oh, artists okay, and stuff okay. like that. Um, so everybody gets sweaty feet when you hear they're an A and R for this big label. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, then at some point they hired this guy called Jeff, and um, now. I could strangle Jeff at moments because he would be so just like, Bauke, at two minutes and 35 seconds, there is this little guitar line and (laughs) that first note just doesn't come in right. And when you get that in, it's just like it... I talked about about this with another friend of mine who also has done some of this stuff. It's like, it makes your blood boil when you hear that. It's like... It's just a frigging guitar note, dude <laughs> and it's like wow. but seriously that kind of precision is, ah, there's a little pop or click here that doesn't really work he has such a different way of hearing that music
1: is that pure talent or is that experience and uh, I think
0: it's a big talent of his okay, of his way okay. of listening it's really uh, him specifically uh, because the, you
1: always you, you also have to know what's going to what what the listeners yeah. are going to appreciate and one single note, knowing yeah. that that note is gonna he
0: he has this ability to maybe hear that he has this ability to hear imperfections
1: wow and
0: <laughs> I'm happy i don't, this is an important thing I think <laughs> I cannot have that because if if I would have that. In the creation process, you never end up you creating anything. You yourself. Yeah, you never end yeah. up creating anything if yeah. you constantly like, ooh, 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 this is not right. That's not right. Yeah. But to have that combination, mm-hmm. and still, he also had this great vision of like what he thinks it should be. Yeah. And then there is, of course, I have to actually create it and inform that. Mm-hmm. And there would be a point. In the beginning, I took everything he said as gospel. They're the client, so hey, if yeah. they're the client, it's not about me being happy; it's about them yeah. being happy. Yeah. But. At some point, I would be like, no, this is not actually important. This yeah. is important to fix. This is just a small detail. Nobody's going to notice it. Won't affect the sales, is yeah. a saying in music. Yeah. It's like <laughs> this, this little thing, nobody's going to care.
1: Yeah.
0: Nobody's going to skip to the next song be- just because.
1: <laughs> oh, there was a guitar job. <laughs> yeah, <up there>. Exactly. <laughs> I hate this.
0: <laughs> um, nope, deleting the yeah. song.
1: No, but when you're talking and when you're explaining this, it's a lot of technical parts. Mm. I see you thinking technically. Yeah. How how do you balance it with intuition and vision and, and your own muse, musicality, if that makes sense? I
0: love that question because I'm a big technical nerd. I love figuring out the technical stuff and I have such a passion for it. But that really happened also over the last few years that yeah. I really got passionate about that because... Uh, And that really throws you for a loop sometimes because as I really started digging deep into the technical stuff, you start thinking about the technical stuff while you are working. And that is, then you're starting to create a tech demo, not a song. Then you're Mm. making a demonstration of how these plugins sound, how these (laughs) effects sound, but you're not actually making a song with a core anymore. So I kind of compare it to this. It's like driving a a manual car with a stick shift. So it's like, in the beginning, you have to learn how to operate that vehicle. You have to learn the technicalities. Otherwise, yeah, you might make it move a bit choppy. And, but what you, re- what you really want to get is so that the technical part, you've studied it, you know how it works, and you're very comfortable with it so that you can forget it. So mm-hmm. that when you are driving the car, you don't no longer think about... It's st- in the
1: muscle memory. Yeah, you're no mm-hmm. longer
0: thinking about steering or yeah. shifting gears. You're thinking about where am I going? And that is the core of it. And in the beginning, you're all intuition, no technicality at all. Exactly. When people start creating something. And there's a blissful thing to that. Uh, But the danger of that is that when you have a certain idea, you know where you want to go. And all of a sudden, you... You can't figure it out how to get there because mm. it's like, ah, oh, the technicality gets in the way. Mm-hmm. And that I think is a great sin. Then then it's like it's a waste if uh, your creativity doesn't isn't allowed to flourish because there's this technicality yeah. in the way. Yeah. So that was a long struggle for me as I learned electronic music production. I think for I think it took about it started when I was 16 producing electronic music, and I can remember that around when I was 22, making a lot of music for six years. Yeah. I for the first time, really started to feel like, no, I am now telling the software what to do. The software is not telling me what mm. to do anymore. That was a nice transition. Yeah. So the technical stuff, incredibly important, and I really like to create systems in my head yeah. so that I can forget about the technical stuff, mm-hmm. so I can just focus on the message and the core. Yeah,
1: I think that's where a lot of people, I don't want to say drop out, but maybe talented people or passionate people mm. that have just discovered like, okay, I'm good at this yeah. or I have a passion for this. And people tell them, you're good. Then they start doing it more seriously and then they get that block yeah. because they don't have the tools. They don't know how the technical part behind it. And they're like, oh, maybe I don't have a talent yeah, exactly. for this and that's such a such a shame and I also I think you have to respect the technical part. My my best friend she's a DJ and uh, uh, when we were studying we would go to her studio and we would just play around with Sweet. Uh, and she was like I'm gonna teach you how to DJ <laughs> but it created and, and she plays like techno and house mm. and I don't like that music at all. However after those times in the studio, I created a huge respect for DJing for that music because she taught me the technical part behind it all. Yeah. And I started to listen to music differently after that.
0: Interesting, What changed?
1: I mean, for example, when I when I listened to DJs, when I went to uh, parties and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I could really listen where they made the transition bpm here and and I could I could appreciate their craft and I could distinguish what was good and what was less good. Yeah. That was so like insightful. Yeah. To also know that you have to be good technically to be able to deliver a message or deliver a, a nice
0: experience. Experience. Absolutely.
1: I mean, it makes sense when you're saying it, like just like that. But I think there's a lot of people who miss that part. Yes, the technical part behind uh, that industry, like music, music production.
0: And I think, an, but I think an important part of this is that it did come very natural for me because I had a big interest in it as well. Mm. And so there is a part to it. There is something to be said for hey, if you really just enjoy singing, you do have to be aware of what technicalities you should be investigating. Mm. Because I know singers, for example, who feel like, ah, but I'm not that good at producing. And they feel like they should be good at like creating a little track for themselves. And I'm like, if that doesn't come naturally out of some interest, then this is my intuition part. And it can sound a bit harsh sometimes. Then don't frigging bother. Then find somebody who can do that and is really passionate about that. Then don't worry yourself about that. Because if it doesn't come natural... If there's no spark there, maybe it can come if somebody shows you, yeah, a little But It's mm-hmm. like, if it doesn't come out of that natural inside, well, what's the point? It's only, it's going to yeah. be an uphill battle from the start. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as you, this is the flip side. So lay off, take it easy if it doesn't feel right. But the flip side is, if there is a spark there, then you have to take that freaking seriously and follow yeah. that and work. But usually that goes automatically.
1: Yeah, that is the most important thing. I remember someone asked me like what's your what's the favorite part of the whole podcast thing? Yeah. And then I I thought about it and then I was like, you know what? I kind of enjoy or I really enjoy every single part of it. Yeah. Weirdly enough. Then that person, you you could see that they asked that question with an intention. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh
1: they're like that's what why you're going to succeed. Sweet. Because because you think it's fun. Yeah, exactly. I was like, wow because there's literally every single this is the easy part this is oh, oh I, I always say this this is just having a conversation yeah, exactly. and i love talking so this is <laughs> this is great this is great <laughs> <laughs> but you know the the editing part i love that too or the the marketing part mm-hmm. and you know, everything has it its own beauty you know exactly and i think that's so important in everything you do really yes. So you're completely right. If you don't have that initial like interest and curiosity to be better, then I it's,
0: mean, uh, but, th- yeah, but yeah. that's also I think the nicest thing to say about this is that also then it's fine. You don't need to like this. Mm. You don't need to do this because yeah. I think there is so much pressure of being good at this and being yeah. good at that because some talents are maybe sexy or some talents are maybe <laughs> cool. Or Wait, or what?
1: What is a sexy talent?
0: No, but like I think a lot of things. Um, for, for example, okay, now I'm going into a tangent here, but there's like, <laughs> there are, for example, I have to say that I'm. it's nice to hear that, but uh, growing up through my life, I've often heard, oh, you're so talented. Okay. And it's nice. Mm-hmm. Until then, somebody says after that, I could never do that. Then it's like, okay, uh, yeah. Then all of a sudden I get put above somebody in some way or mm. something. And what my point there is, I truly, this is a core belief I have, and this is why it's so important to find your core, I think, but it's like, I truly believe that every human is equally talented, but it just comes out in different ways. And some talents in this society are just seen as, my talent naturally is one that is usually in the spotlights and Mm. like making music is... Ah, A sexy talent. It's like, oh, a musician. Yeah, cool. Mm. But or an actor, or even recording a podcast. That's a cool thing Mm -hmm. because it's also an entertainment thing. It's something that is in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. But some people, some people's talents are just different, and we need to embrace everything that somebody is passionate about, no matter what it is. If Mm -hmm. it's creating something, or even if it's taking care of frigging your children, that can also be a true talent. Of course, as something that. I, it, it bothers me when people say I could never do that I am not as talented as you mm-hmm. no maybe you can't you cannot play the guitar like I can but I cannot play the guitar like you can <laughs> like because that is yeah, me that is yeah. me the, um, but I
1: think a lot of people I mean the society kind of um, defined what a talent is yeah so so some people might have a huge talent in something that uh, the uh, society doesn't hasn't defined as, as a, a talent.
0: talent
1: exactly i i don't know how it is for you but because when you're talking about making music mm-hmm. it seems to come very natural for you yeah right so well, correct me if i'm wrong have you ever seen that as a talent for yourself like oh i'm so talented <laughs>
0: Uh, well, this, well, okay. Two thoughts here. Yeah. One thought: Are we, yes. <laughs> <laughs> obviously? Have you seen me? <laughs> Do you, know <laughs> Do you know who I am. You know who I am. That's a good one. Uh, no, but it's like um, there is two parts to this. So one part is that I talked about this with my mom just over Christmas, as I really came to the realization. As I was, uh, stuff I was just talking about. My parents love talking with me about creativity and wow. about stuff mm-hmm. like this. So. And it just really dawned on me that, yeah, what I said in the beginning a bit as well is like, nobody's, I just am music. I just make music. It yeah. just happens. I, I don't. Ha- ah, it's not like I choose that. How I do it, that is a choice. But like yeah. the fact that it comes, everything I do in my head relates to music. It's just, mm-hmm. Music is always there. On the other hand, there is definitely, this is the curse and the blessing of being a creative, I think, hate that term actually a creative it's also so labeled it's also so <laughs> so much weight behind that but somebody who does something yeah. who creates something yeah uh, a creative i guess but uh so the blessing is that in the moment when i make a new song for the first hour it's like this is the best piece of music anyone has ever created <laughs> and i am a god <laughs> and then you go into the next phase which is like I am shit. I am shit. It's like i they should they should make it illegal for me to make music, like who has given me a microphone? God, this is terrible. like I should be arrested. <laughs> this is the worst thing anyone has ever like, made I quit yeah, I quit this is. This is terrible. And then slowly over time, I then at that point, okay, then do the work stuff, do the editing, do the fixing, Mm -hmm. and then leave the song. Just leave (laughs) it. And because I have learned that always, it can be a week later or it can be a year later, without exception, I will look back on that track and think, hey, that was pretty good. And that's the balance view. It's like, hey, that was pretty good. That was pretty right. you are
1: like in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like,
0: why didn't you go on with that? Why didn't you yeah. do anything with that? So I've really learned to shut up the critical part. Mm-hmm. But still I can't. Still. Do you
1: think Do you think the first stage is important for you? This like, oh my God, this is great. Do it's you think that's a important
0: incredibly important. Okay. It's one of the biggest rushes of the creation yeah. that you're like, you're you're touching upon you're plucking. Some internal string that's like, (laughs) like, hot diggity damn. That is it. So it's, I really, that's incredibly important, that part. But yeah.
1: Because I'm relating so hard right now.
0: (laughs) And it's embarrassing
1: how how bad. Oh, no. So I don't know if we talked about it, but I I competed this summer for the Spotify Sound Up. (laughs) So I was there. And I want to use the word delusional. (laughs) Because I had literally, I was like, I'm winning this thing. This is so good. My pitch is great. You know, what's not to like about
0: this? (laughs) I am the best. I mean, is there a question about this? Why are we having this whole event? I mean, come on, guys. I was like, I'm
1: a clear winner. (laughs) What are we even competing about?
0: (laughs) This is foreshadowing. (laughs)
1: It's so funny. So when they like announce the winner, I'm ready to stand up yeah. and, and accept the flowers and prize And then they say someone else, and I'm like, "Wait, what? Is this rigged?" Yeah, exactly. It starts but, hitting. Yeah, it starts hitting. And then I ask the. It, it was a competition with jury. Mm-hmm. And all of that. And afterwards, I I go and ask, because at this time, I don't have a podcast community. Uh, I don't have colleagues of some. Mm. I've never gotten feedback, like professional feedback. I've gotten feedback from friends. So I went and talked to the jury like individually, not saying like, hey, why didn't I win? It was more now you've heard my pitch. Can you tell me? What I need to, uh, and then they... they,
0: Brave move, by the way, smart move to do.
1: I mean, I I feel like I had to. So so they gave me feedback. Then that brought me to stage two, like, I'm, uh, wow, now I'm shit. Yeah. This is, this is, and then they didn't tell me anything bad. They just gave me constructive criticism, Mm. which now thinking back at it, and in that point, I was like... Wow, I've never seen it in 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 this light. And that was actually a, a tough weekend.
0: I can imagine.
1: It, it was a very tough weekend because that's when I realized I have so much to learn. This mm. is not good. Should I do this? Mm. I started doubting everything.
0: Exactly. Now you start doubting everything.
1: Everything. <laughs> every single aspect of the podcast. Yeah. I was like, should I even? Should I bother?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: But... What kept me go like I had to talk to my parents and you know get some uh, let everything cool down. Yeah, exactly. Um, and now I'm in such a better place.
0: And that's beautiful. It's
1: beautiful, but but this this stage of like first delusional and be like this is the best thing everyone yeah. has seen to like shit utter was, yeah
0: Zero. zero.
1: that was a very humbling experience. I think that's also an indicator that you've you've grown when yeah. you see that, oh my God, this world is bigger than I thought. I have so much to learn.
0: Yeah, exactly. Which and is
1: looking back a, a good thing.
0: Absolutely. Mm. And I also thought about that. This is also always something that me and my friends say in the audio podcast, because it's like, when we present our thoughts, yeah. this is the latest, freshest thought. Everything I'm presenting here is my latest, freshest takes and thoughts on stuff. But it would be without exception that the next week we would come back. We had this <laughs> section of reflection as we <laughs> called it.
1: Oh, that's a good section. It's a, it's a good segment. Segment, but it
0: always turned out to be the whole podcast, <laughs> the section of reflection. Because we always realized what I said last week was bullshit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like this made no sense. Yeah. It's like and then listening back to the last week episode, oh God, did I, what, what did I say? Yeah. I was so yeah. so it's so important to say that, like this is my understanding right now of how mm. my creativity works, how, uh, how I work in this world. But yeah. exactly as you say, I hadn't seen it from that perspective yet. And yeah. all of a sudden this whole door opens up yeah. and you're like, oh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know anything. I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah.
0: And you also start to, I think this is the nice thing that comes with age and experience mm-hmm. that... I'm very old now, 27. I mean, God.
1: Then what am I? <laughs> <laughs>
0: ancient. But the, the, that's the beautiful thing, I think. You start to also talking with my parents. are well, beyond ancient. Uh, th- you have seen these processes before. Yeah. So you've gone through this process. Uh, you get this new perspective. Mm. You feel a bit low again. So you yeah. start to recognize it. And then you can put it a bit in perspective. And yeah. then... The, the lowest dips don't become as low anymore because, you, yeah. okay, you still, emotionally they are, but the rational part of you I can, mean, you're human. You're human, yeah. but the rational part can say, there's also part of excitement to it because yeah. nowadays when I feel low and when uh-huh. I doubt everything, I am excited to, I know that, oh, I'm curious to see what I learned from this. Yeah. I'm curious to see what the conclusion will be mm-hmm. from this mental breakdown. God. <laughs> the, <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting, but I think it's... uh that's also the point where your interest is going to keep you going. Absolutely. And that's why you need it. Absolutely. Yeah, because if I didn't see, if this was not enjoyable, I would have quit. That's the po- yeah. point where you quit. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Yeah. Okay. I love that we're on the second. Great. <laughs> second <laughs> question. And we've talked for an hour. Fantastic. Probably. Yeah. What do you think it is about lo-fi music that makes it so appealing to mm. listeners? And how how do you create a mood? Maybe maybe you answered that in the previous question, but why do you think lo-fi is so, uh, I want to say, important? Yeah. Because people are using it a lot for uh, education nowadays.
0: Yeah. That's fantastic to hear. Mm-hmm. It's really funny to also, well, when I heard that you played my music, yeah. I was like, damn, that's nice. Yeah. It's like, it's really, <laughs> I made something and, yeah. it, and, it, and it serves a function. There's mm-hmm. something very sweet about that, but... What is nice about lo-fi, and I think what started it off, like the lo-fi stuff itself, I think most of us, yeah, again, recognize the lo-fi girl that was like, I think they're called chill hop. I'm not sure anymore. Chill hip hop. Yeah, Yeah. whatever. But it's like this lo-fi anime girl. It just sets such a mood. But uh, Mm. It went back before that, that the whole lo-fi genre is the idea that you would embrace the imperfections of the music you've sampled, for example. The lo-fi hip hop, It would be like, I think this came to be like ah, the 90s and the 2000s and whatever, Mm -hmm. especially in those times as digital technology and also analog technology within music was getting so advanced that everything was getting so pristine and amazing sound, like hi-fi and perfect sounding. And lo-fi is the opposite of hi-fi. It Mm. is, people started like sampling these vinyl records and then as you sample the vinyl record, there's some scratches on it, there's some dust on it, and... There's something so, and the point was to keep that intact, maybe even accentuate the crackles and the dirt. Mm -hmm. And there's something so, first of all, there's something, that ASMR thing, there's something intrinsically nice about the sound of vinyl crackle that you're just like, (laughs) it's like, oh, this is nice. It's like a
1: satisfying sound. It's a satisfying
0: sound. Your eardrums are being massaged a little (laughs) bit that is a part of it so i yeah. think it was a bit of a counter movement as well okay and i think then the the whole lo-fi hip hop thing that we really know nowadays and mm-hmm. that we really embrace nowadays same pop music is so everywhere and it's so made it's made to be popular and it's made to pop it is like to, supposed to be who can make the brightest shiniest most uh, satisfyingly hitting thing this yeah. little dopamine rush of three minutes mm-hmm. so that's constantly shouting at you and it's constantly screaming at you yeah. and then there's lo-fi stuff also with that lo-fi girl that artwork she's like this girl making homework in this cozy little yeah. room and this little background it's such a um, fresh wind that comes in all of it a sudden. And so like, oh, this makes me feel cozy mm. and good. And then the music itself is made with these crackles, extremely heavy bass. It is like it's just a warm blanket of sounds. Like,
1: Do you know that there is actually studies that uh, shows that lo-fi music is um, makes you, like, scientifically f- focus better?
0: That's fantastic. Mm. So. I can imagine why, because it's just like it's it is a calming bath, and maybe mm-hmm. it just helps you focus better. Mm-hmm. Like
1: I think that's why a lot of people use it for yeah. when studying. Yeah. Other like pop music or any other kind of uh, genre will kind of do the opposite. Yeah. Distract you.
0: It's meant to excite. It's meant it, to take yeah. your attention. Exactly.
1: Uh, and I think speaking for myself, lofi music became kind of like a soundtrack for my life. Sweet it's uh i was reflecting on this because it became when i think of lo-fi i think of my education and i've been studying for forever <laughs> it feels like i think i enjoyed it so much that sometimes when i'm just at home and i'm i don't want to listen to music mm. it's just i want to have that mood again Yeah, exactly then some candles lo-fi music in the background
0: sweet i mean But that is the beauty. It can, uh, same with like ambient stuff and stuff in the mood music genre, as it's called nowadays. It's like, it's, uh, well, the guy who really started the whole ambient music thing, Brian Mm -hmm. Eno, back in 78, he released his first ambient one record. And it was Mm -hmm. quite revolutionary just to make something that is the opposite of grabbing your attention. Yeah. Uh, Or he's the one that really popularized it. I don't know if it was him who said it or if it was somebody else who said it. Think it was somebody else who said it. But it was this concept as music as furniture. It is supposed to be there. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be able to Yeah, it's 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 a f- piece of furniture. It's part yeah. of the room. It's part of the space. But mm-hmm. it's and it's something you might use, but it's not something that grabs your attention per yeah. se. And the flip side is, I'm pretty sure Brian Eno said this, ambient music is supposed to be uh incredibly Uh, not taking your attention, but when you do pay attention, that it's infinitely interesting, that there is actually a lot going on that you're like, oh, interesting.
1: But lo-fi gives both. It gives both.
0: There is detail and there is stuff, but it's not there. It's not going to ask for your attention. It's there if you want to give it the attention. I love that. And the technical part of the lo-fi stuff, I really take it very seriously that when I made my lo-fi songs... Mm -hmm the whole mix, the whole technical aspect of it, nothing is supposed to stand out. So everything becomes very warm very blanketed Mm -hmm. and very smooth and very... Otherwise, I'm not doing my job right. Otherwise, I'm not Mm -hmm. fulfilling my service. If I'm starting to... Yeah, if something's too bright, if some snare drum stands out too much, then Mm -hmm. you're going to get distracted. And you don't want that. You want it to just like... Oh
1: yeah, just nothing yeah. stand out. <laughs> what programs do you use? What two? Wh- what is your toolbox? I in Logic. In so Logic.
0: In Logic. And then mm. uh, usually, yeah, it's usually just Logic, my audio interface, and ah, uh, tons of plugins and uh, extra effects and stuff like that. So and my instruments, so electric guitar, bass. I have this Nord keyboard with nice piano sounds. Yeah, and that is uh,
1: so nothing extraordinary.
0: Nothing extraordinary. I I like to think so. Yeah,
1: technically. Anyone can do it.
0: That's the whole point. That is also the thing with lo-fi. It is supposed to be imperfect. Yeah. So, but you just have to embrace the right imperfections. That is the Mm -hmm. only thing. So, but yeah, it's supposed to be imperfect. So everybody could pick up and get a bit of an idea of how, oh, what's the vibe? Yeah, okay, I can try this out. And there's so many like samples out there that you can use nowadays that already get you so much in the right direction. So I think it's also a very rewarding genre. A lot of people started getting into production thanks Mm -hmm. to that stuff because Mm -hmm. in the most positive sense, it can be so simple and rewarding to make it. So it's like, oh, shit, I made a nice beat. And that is, so that's nice.
1: Do you think the creative process and the inspiration, do you think that's a talent or do you think anyone can...
0: I think that it is not a talent. I think what I have worked on very hard with myself is exactly what I say. not to put the brakes on, never put the brakes on mm-hmm. as you're creating, and they are trusting in what creation comes out. Mm-hmm. That is the thing I have noticed the most about around being the most successful artists I've been around. The one thing that I learned from them is that they might not have been technically very good, but they just believed in themselves enough in themselves enough in the mm-hmm. moment that is like. I don't care. It might not sound perfect. We're gonna move forward. We have this idea. We have gotta move forward. Okay, keep going. Keep keep going. Just mm. don't don't start doubting everything. Just mm. keep going. That is the lesson I really took away from. Do
1: you that. believe in yourself?
0: Ah, in that first hour, I do. <laughs> but uh, and that that is really the trick. Getting as fast as getting <laughs> as much work done as possible <laughs> in that window.
1: You're like, I know I have it now. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> <Let's go. laughs> Better, friggin keep it going. Otherwise, we're in trouble. No,
1: but in general, would you say like, yeah, I'm believing myself.
0: I very much do. I okay. when I'm just feeling calm, I'm like, yeah, I really think that. I always I, I say this to people as well, but I really believe that I'm a very good musician and that I am very good at what I do, and mm. I'm very confident at that. I'm mm-hmm. also very confident that I'm good at cooking, but really? yes, nice. And there's a lot of overlap between those <laughs> two. But so I can always very, yeah, comfortably and confidently say that, yeah, that yeah, I am very good at making music at the technical stuff. I think yeah. I'm very good. Having said that, I'm constantly making fuck ups and I'm constantly having to improve and get better and better and better. Which you should exactly. So it should be like uh, that. Yeah. No,
1: why I'm asking is because I think. Um, Personally, I think that's a, a huge factor, mm. huge factor. You have to believe in yourself. Absolutely. You have to be confident and be like, I'm good at what I do. Yeah. I know I can improve. Yes. I don't do everything perfectly, but I believe in myself. Yes. Because I, I think there's so, so many people who, who don't. Yes. And, and I think that that can be their uh, biggest hurdle.
0: It really is. Mm. But it's exactly what I say. That is like the talent, I think, is not me making music. The talent no. is daring to once again pick up the piano Ooh. the day after I feel like, oh, God, I'm terrible. Yeah. But here's the thing. It barely feels like an effort because mm-hmm. the curiosity sparks up again. It's yeah.
1: like, oh, what if I do this? What if I do that?
0: So, Yeah. Mm.
1: Okay, so how do you think technology has impacted the creation and distribution of lo-fi music? And what role do you see technology playing in the future of the genre if we more specifically go towards AI?
0: Exactly. I Like, I feel so strongly about the AI stuff. You do? Yes. Okay, I'm so because excited. Because okay. there's uh, so much talk about, of course, like generative art that is like, yeah. oh, it uses all these inputs and then creates something out of that. And a lot of people are very like, ah, but what about real music? And what about, is it the end of music? I have a pretty, I have a hot take here. Okay. And my hot take is, okay, let's take away the human element that it sucks if you lose your job. I have to say (laughs) that it sucks if you lose your job. Sorry if you lose your job. But if your job can be done more efficiently, if there's bigger, if it can be done quicker and more efficiently by a robot then it's going to be done by a robot. And then it means that your job is fulfilling a certain purpose that something else can do better. Then that is just what it is. You cannot do anything about that. It's the same with, I think, that ambient music and lo-fi, all this mood music, I really think that the future of that is a lot more AI-driven because Mm. I know I made a freaking thousand songs in three years. No human should do that. That is stupid. It is... (laughs) And a lot of it, it is to fulfill a purpose. It was not to explore new boundaries of creativity. That a robot cannot do. An AI cannot Mm -hmm. because it's all based upon existing inputs. So it is only going to be derivative. Of course, what we do is also in a certain extent derivative. But Mm -hmm. it's only going to be based upon the input we give it. And the mood music is supposed to be background. So it is also supposed to be this background thing. So I think it is a great opportunity for AI to just like generate endless amounts of relaxing content. How Mm. freaking amazing is that? Mm -hmm. And that is what makes me also focus more and more on like, but what is my true creation? Mm -hmm. What is my true core? Because if AI can do it, then maybe it's not right now, unless it's about specifically making money or making a living and it's definitely worthwhile doing but for my own creative expression if i ai can do this now or in 10 years then maybe i'm not doing something that is truly uniquely me mm. if something else can do that as well mm. so that is my feeling oh on that.
1: That, that's so interesting you you feel so calm in that like absolutely if ai is doing it great but then i'll do something else
0: because you have to again it's the, the mood music, the lo-fi, yeah. I see it as providing a service. Mm-hmm. It is the background music. It is supposed to make you feel good. Now, I'd, maybe it will never happen that it hit, it hits that same note as the human-made music does. Maybe yeah. they can't do it, and then we'll see that. And then it's great. Then more musicians have jobs. But
1: mm. Have you tried it?
0: No, no. I've never tried AI mm. music or whatever. I, uh, no. I very much thought about it because yeah. my, my process can be so systematic as well. Yeah. It can be so like, now I do this, now I do yeah. that, now I do this. I thought oh if i was a good programmer i could make a ton of money by automating all of this but i i just i think that same with like how there is criticism on like the um, the chat gpt and school systems and stuff like that yeah yes it sucks right now in the current system that is like oh but what does this mean for students and how are they going to learn? And mm. it's like, and same for, I bet you have hot takes on that. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> and same with the music. What if it takes our jobs? Yeah. And th- again, that is the personal element. Hey, freaking sucks if if somebody loses their job. The other part is, is that it puts pressure on a system to highlight something mm. that we need to think deeply about what we are teaching kids what we are doing Mm. as music creation Mm -hmm. pop music if it's too formulaic then ai will be able to do it at some point Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. so that means that is great because that forces us to be creative again and really find our core and make something uniquely us
1: yeah i think also when you when you present a new environment new opportunities Mm. like presents itself so for example when the pandemic hit yeah you have to think differently yeah which creates new opportunities absolutely so I mean AI in form of um, in the education system I think we are in a transitioning mode right now it's very unfortunate but in the future I think we can optimize teaching and education individually for every student sweet how how amazing wouldn't how that be? How Amazing
0: is that. No,
1: so exactly. if you if you see it in that way, teaching becomes something else. Yeah. As a teacher, I can focus on different things. I don't need to focus on paperwork. I don't need to focus no, on exactly. lesson planning, grading, because all of that AI can do for That's me. Quite
0: robotic work. Yeah, it's like
1: robotic work. I don't need to do that. I can put my time to be a teacher.
0: Yeah. Grander concepts yeah. than the small daily nitty-gritty.
1: Exactly. So I think, I think it's very interesting that you see it in a similar way for music um, and how that can create new opportunities for you personally, but also for the music industry. Absolutely. And what it can mean for lo-fi and ambience.
0: Yeah, exactly. Music, yeah. So I'm also just excited to see what it all turns out being. Mm. And of course, again, to start this and close this, it just... Sucks when some kids maybe are having a worse school experience because the whole system is not ready for yeah. everything that's happening. Maybe they don't learn as much, whatever. And same with the music. If you lose your job or if something gets in the way, that is just terrible. But in the ah in the zoomed out picture where yeah. you forget some of the human suffering, yeah. then it's <laughs> like there is beautiful opportunities there. Mm. So that is my feeling around technology.
1: I like it. I like it. We're on the same page. So what advice would you get? Because this whole podcast is basically... What you wanted to know a bit sooner. Yes. So if we have a listener there who is in the starting process yes. or maybe listen to this and be like, I think I can do that or I want to do that. Yeah. Where do they start? Can you give some concrete, concrete advice?
0: Concrete advice. So if it's, do you mean specifically in more grander lines of, about creativity, following your creative pursuits or specifically for music making? Both. Both. I okay. want
1: to. I love lists. Okay. So let's Great. do both.
0: I think one of the biggest lessons that I am just learning, and I'm learning right now. So I don't have a conclusive thing for this right now, but it's kind of what I've been speaking on. It's that if something doesn't feel good, mm-hmm. trust that feeling. Dip out. It's fine to say no. It's fine mm. to dip out. Don't in push further. Don't invest further if mm-hmm. that doesn't feel good. Mm. Unless it's filing your taxes, then do keep <laughs> do pushing. <it. laughs>
1: then or do hire it. someone to do it for you. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: really, it really works. So, the, yeah. Uh, if and it goes for personal relationships as well. If it's mm. like, if you're feeling drained after meeting specific friends, if you're ah, uh, if something feels forced. Mm. Don't do it. Just Mm. dip out. It's fine. This is what I wish I knew sooner. That is like, trust that instinct that says, no, this doesn't feel right. Mm. And the flip side of that is, if something does feel right, first of all, you might not even be aware of it. Because you might be doing it all the time already. And just keep doing that. Mm -hmm. And that other thing I said... I th- I don't believe in geniuses. I don't believe in that some people are uniquely gifted in arts or whatever. I think some people are just uniquely good at letting go and just doing. Mm-hmm. Just rarely doing and keeping on creating. And keeping on creating, that doesn't mean that you should make infinite amounts of music. It's very ridiculous if I say how much music I've made, but that is not integral to... M- it's integral to my story, but that's my story. Yeah. Here's the thing: any weird thing you might, anything that uh, you might do, and you might feel like, oh, but I should be doing it like this. I should be using my creativity like this, or whatever. Usually, people do it like this, but I'm not doing it like that. I should change and be like that. The thing is, that thing that are you are doing differently. If you turn out to be successful, then exactly that is what people will say. Ah, they did that differently. That was really genius of Mm. them. And if if that doesn't turn out making you successful, then it will never be noticed. And that is why I don't believe in genius. It's just luck and (laughs) the fact that you're doing it. So do it. Okay. Just do it. Don't think. Do it. Yeah, we're
1: sponsored by Nike. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Please wear my shoes. Uh, Currently wearing Adidas. This is awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but seriously, just do it. That is also what I've noticed with some very big artists have been around in the studio. What just blew me away is that I was thinking way too much Mm. and just keep going. Yeah. And that is inspiring. I think to be around and trust yourself. Just go. Just go.
1: Just go fly fly and try your wings. Yes,
0: exactly. Yeah. And don't judge it until three months later. That is the if you make something, don't Mm -hmm. judge it until it's had some time to rest. Yeah. That is the creative advice.
1: Nice. And then the practical
0: like practical advice. mm -hmm. If somebody literally would want to get into making lo-fi beats. mm -hmm. Now I'm getting hyper practical. So really into the the details, into find some software that runs on the computer you have or maybe on an iPad, I think, or on a tablet you could even find software. I'm not aware of all the software that's out there. I know that on a computer you can either go for Ableton, FL Studio, or Logic. That is the okay. environment you start creating in. There's other programs as well. Mm-hmm. Look it up, kids. You know how to use Google. <laughs> uh, or ChatGPT. Or ChatGPT. We don't discriminate <laughs> AI no, here. Don't know. <laughs> um, from there, it just starts with listen to the music that you like and try to recreate that and try to listen to Ooh. that is how i got into production i was really into dance music and the mm-hmm. very first thing i made in fl studio back in the day on my yeah. on my gaming computer i heard Avicii's levels and i was like this is the sickest track that anyone has ever made mm. so i got so sparked by that and then i my friend showed me fl studio i'm I can make music on a computer? This is revolutionary. And so the first thing I did was recreate Avicii's levels. And it sounded terrible. But it... It was a start. But I got such a spark from that. And that was... uh, And it still is now and then. But especially in the beginning, that was really the journey. of Because you learn to listen and you learn to... From trying to recreate, you're always, always going to make your own thing from it a little bit because you, you are not that person, that day, that moment with nah. that machine. This is you and your situation. Mm. It's always going to sound different anyway. But try and recreate what you've heard. Mm. And specific advice, uh, you can go to the website splice.com. 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 It's a huge sample library. All professional musicians, or so many professional producers use it. Uh there's so many sounds available that already sound like half a song. Use it. Just throw it in your computer mm. and start just throwing stuff together without thinking too much and just enjoy the the fun of it of, hey, you press play and I put these things yeah. together and yeah. that is freaking amazing. And just go from there. The The rest will show itself mm. and really will. So find some music software, go to splice.com. You can get like a... Maybe a two-week free trial. You could download a yeah. bunch of samples and just throw it in and there. And just try. Just, just try. have
1: fun. I think it sounds, it it, it it is such a simple advice. However, I think the most important one. Just try. Just try.
0: Just try it. Just do it.
1: Yeah. Because I think um, for my first, I, I had a podcast before this, a uni, a uni podcast. From the the day I I said, hmm, I want to do this exactly on the dot 10 weeks after that on that day yeah my first episode was out sweet and 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 that was a lot like i'm gonna just do it i yeah. don't care if if my mom is the only listener i just want to do it because it's so fun exactly but then when i started with this podcast i was in my head yeah. and it took way much longer
0: yeah exactly because we also have this tendency of when we have a vision of what's... Uh, yeah. There's this... There's a conscious part of our brain and there's the whole rest of our freaking body. Mm-hmm. And I think that conscious part of the brain that is actively... Maybe I should do this. That very conceptual, yeah. abstract part. I think that is really just like a tip of the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. And this is why I believe so much in trying to follow your instincts. I think decisions get made in your whole body. It's not just that... constant conscious abstract part of you mm-hmm. so i know for myself that i can very much conceptualize like maybe i should make a song like this and use these technologies yeah. and use this and it will sound like this great if that gets you to create it if you if, if it starts the process yeah but that's where you turn all of that off then <laughs> from that moment just go and i think these things can, yeah i at least can really conceptualize something and yeah. i can in the end, hold me back a bit. It's mm-hmm. like because we wanted it to then be perfect according yeah. to that concept, and then mm-hmm. hope it that? You not know, mean we need it oh, can hold you mm-hmm. back sometimes, mm-hmm. but unless it allows you to do it, then yeah. go for it
1: I love it, I love it. I think the creative process is such a such an interesting phenomena yes um but um. Uh, we've been talking for so long, <laughs> but I think we've gone through all of the all of the questions, kind of. Sweet. I have a question. What and it, it doesn't need to be music related. What is something you wish you knew earlier in life?
0: What is something I wish I knew earlier in life? Well, actually, there is there is this uh, book now that is very popular in Sweden, uh, written by this monk guy who passed away, Jakana Fel. Like, I could be wrong. That's oh. that's the whole point. Like you, And it's about, like, learning the... Um, uh, you can learn a lot, but it's so important to keep an open mind. And mm. that, okay, but I might be wrong, you know? That's important. But I like to reflect that with... And this Ooh. is the... That is such an integral part that I wish I knew earlier, because mm. I've... Which is also, I think, one of my great strengths, but I've gone through life always adapting a lot to other people and mm-hmm. always like when somebody says something, I very quickly assume that they are right and I'm wrong. Maybe okay. on the surface level. And then maybe yeah. on my own, I would be like, no, nah, I figured these things yeah. out. But so in relationships and uh, both professional and romantic relationships, I very much wow. like maybe change myself a lot to fit. Maybe what I think that person thinks is right. You learn a lot from that by mm-hmm. embracing that. Yeah. I live my life... I'm probably wrong to a certain extent. Yeah. But over these last few years, just embracing... Yeah, but wait a minute. I can't be right about this thing. I might just be... There's this feeling in me that says this. I might be right. To trust that more. Yes. But be careful with that because this is also how you become a 60-year-old man really quickly. It's like, no, the rest is wrong. I'm right. (laughs) So...
1: That is so true to have a balance with both. But do you where do you think this uh, mindset came from when you were younger like adapting a lot to to the people around you was it lack of confidence lack of
0: confidence feeling lonely wanting to fit in and always feeling Mm. like i'm from the outside they're in the inside Mm. and i how do i get on the inside and so people like me like me and Mm. then Mm. change and adapt myself and I say this, but to a part extent, I've always believed in myself. I've always yeah, believed like, yeah. okay, but there's this core that is fantastic about yeah. me. and But a lot of fluff around that has been starting to fall off. And it's like, I call it my bullshit filter. It's just like, no, this is nonsense. What are you talking about? And yeah. they're saying that, but also at the same time, in a conversation with someone, I will always take it to heart, whatever someone says. I guess my whole point is, This is one of my other big sayings. The truth, I think, is always in the middle. If somebody says something, Mm. and this I've always believed, actually, but if somebody says something, even if it's in an argument or if it's in a creative environment, and you might feel the complete opposite, first lesson there is, as right as you think you are, the other person thinks they are just as right. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. this conversation wouldn't start. So the truth is somewhere in the middle. You're both a little bit wrong and a little bit right. Yeah. And just I guess what I wish I knew earlier and trusted earlier is that trust that what is in there might be right and follow that and just keep following up on that and keep going with that.
1: Do you think you learned that the hard way or do you think there was some way you could have um, um, implemented that in your life when you were younger?
0: That's a good question because I very much for example then for one and a half year in a very toxic relationship mm-hmm. uh, years ago years ago but there was like then i felt like okay i clearly learned stuff from this to put up yeah. boundaries and that i was going along with stuff even though it wasn't comfortable whatever so i it was in a way necessary i wouldn't have had this knowledge without mm. that experience yeah. but i always felt like but maybe i could have embraced that sooner so mm. i guess for me the lesson really is trust that gut feeling that gut feeling is right because Whatever the feeling and instinct says, that is ninety-nine percent of your body talking. Yeah. There is that conscious part of you is only one percent.
1: It is it is so it, it's so true.
0: But I'm also a firm believer of what I call the donkey the donkey symptom, the donkey <laughs> Don- uh, okay. I, I su- suffer from donkeyitis, and I think we all do. <laughs> there is this saying in Dutch, which is like that a donkey only hits his head at the same place once so it's like uh-huh. a donkey might walk around in the dark stumble a bit mm-hmm. and it's like oh they hit their head on the wall and yeah that hurts that, that sucks hurt? yeah but they won't hit it again because now they know there's a wall exactly there. and i believe strongly in that so mm-hmm. strongly that i like to triple that i l- i feel like before people can tell me something it's like focus on this you got to think about that yeah sure and then i'll just start running but i have to hit a wall three times yeah
1: that's why I also ask the questions because because some people can understand when you're saying like don't do this or do that instead they understand but they cannot really grasp it until they've hit the wall exactly
0: yeah. <laughs> so that is why the yeah. importance is to just do yeah and not think of the wall mm-hmm. just do because then you allow yourself to run into the wall yeah. hard and a lot and then <laughs> that is the only way of learning that it's there yeah and yeah that allows you to i think life is a constant balance of trying to find that red thread that is you that uh, mm-hmm. core and you're constantly waving around it a little bit and swinging left and right around it mm-hmm. as a pendulum it's like then oh now I'm doing too much of this. But there was this moment where you were hitting on it and then mm. you go too far in a certain direction. So you balance out, but because you're so far out, you balance out on the opposite end too yeah. far. If mm-hmm. you if you diet for example, I'm not gonna eat cookies for a year, then trust me on the first of January you gotta eat a frigging mountain of cookies yeah, all of a sudden. One hundred percent holding back and then you overcompensate on the other mm-hmm. hand. So that's why I really believe eat a cookie every day. Just like every (laughs) day. A cookie cookie. a day. The scary thing is, and that is what I've noticed over the last year, while going through stuff, as soon, this is the hard part of it, as soon as you open that door of listening to what is inside there, it's very hard to close it again. Mm. And that might mean that you all of a sudden see things in your life that are completely wrong. And that is like, maybe I shouldn't be with this person. Maybe I shouldn't be in this whole situation. And then there's no stopping it once you open that door mm. and that is what makes it hard because there is that door that maybe some gut feelings are saying but you're yeah. not listening to it because yeah. you're like no, 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 no Let's it's better if it's closed yeah. sometimes maybe it is better if it's closed and you do need to prioritize the right things yeah. but if you open it there you might realize a whole lot yeah. and that is why it's been quite a journey for me it's like alright, okay, mm-hmm. cool mm-hmm. alright, that's there oh, you're there as well alright, sweet <laughs> <laughs> have you
1: listened to this Intuition and gut feeling. Today, do you feel intact with that? Like Very much. Yeah. I'm going to say okay.
0: something. Uh, I had a cigarette before coming here, <gasps> and I, oh thi- no. I think tobacco <laughs> is underappreciated in our society. I only started smoking this w- summer.
1: Wait, under under-appreciate?
0: underappreciated. Wait,
1: I'm canceling you from this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: What? <laughs> Everything's going to get cut out. <laughs> I I think it is underappreciated. I think it's too stigmatized and too. Here's the thing. It's important. I'm in shock. That we're all aware of health risks with anything. Yes. However, my own personal experience with tobacco has been that it started as a bit of a reaction of me. I've lived for these years of making all these loafabies a very healthy life, like sleeping in time and ah, eating right and being vegan, vegetarian, like blah, blah, blah. blah. It was such a life of living. Perfectly and a big quotation marks okay. around that very perfectly. <laughs> and then as some stuff started happening this summer, I was like fuck it. I've never smoked. I I need to get a cigarette. I want to try it and like smoke a cigarette. And it became linked to that for me. Is the the I don't know what your language restrictions are for this podcast, but it is it is really <laughs> I call it my fuck it mentality a little bit. <laughs> and it has been an now there's a balance to this. There's okay. an integral part of this that whenever they symbolize for me that, no, fuck it, screw it, just keep going, mm-hmm. just trust, keep going, trust, keep yeah. going. Yeah. And in general, I think it is an important balance to the very clean life aesthetic that is there in the world. But that's your life. That, oh, my life, yeah. my life. Okay, so this is yeah. an important thing for me. Exactly, this, yeah, it really—I can speak very positively about mm. cigarettes, and all right, it's—it's it's a journey. I'm very aware of it as well. It's like, okay, I, I now—are
1: you at that point that you're addicted?
0: Like, uh, here's the interesting thing, right? Okay. I think actively about this, and I—I I smoke three cigarettes a day. That is my—that yeah. is my realm. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing: I very much feel like, yeah, but I could quit.
1: But can you though? But that is the (laughs) whole thing because
0: I don't want to because it is so nice. It is really a highlight of my day when I smoke a little cigarette. Okay, then
1: I have a question. Yes. If you would try, just for the sake of it, try to quit and you realize, oh shit, I cannot. Do you think you would have the same perspective on smoking as you do right now?
0: Well, I'm also quite deterministic and quite calm with this stuff Then if it's like... I kind of see the conscious part of my brain just being along for the ride. The rest of the body is like, this came on my path, this happened. Okay. All right, let's see what happens. And now Mm -hmm. cigarettes came on my path. I'm like, all right, let's see what happens. So I'm very aware of these (laughs) thoughts of like, I know how that sentence sounds. I could quit.
1: I just don't want it. It's so nice. (laughs) We've heard that before. We've
0: heard it before. I've heard people around me say (laughs) that when I criticize them on smoking cigarettes. Yeah. And I'm just like... It's it it adds so much to my life, I feel, in such a literally positive sense. So <laughs>
1: I've never heard this before.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. So <laughs> I think so it's funny. important to Yeah.
1: I mean we're not gonna promote smoking, no. but I understand the the concept that means for you. For me, yeah. it's a
0: balancing factor.
1: Exactly. Because
0: in general I am a I it's a balancing factor that once again also keeps aligning me with my intuition. So I'm also very much trying to th- listen to, am I in a mood for a cigarette now? Because that mood, that feeling might come up. And I'm like, okay, but what does my body say? What does my brain say? What does...
1: Now you've uh, programmed your body to say yes, because th- your body knows that a third cigarette will yes. come soon.
0: If it does. Yeah, exactly. I, I say it an average of three in, cigarettes. Okay, it definitely average. happens that it is more being smoked. It also happens that it is not at all being okay, 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 okay. So... Oh, I thought it was like... No, exactly. ...systematically. Okay. uh, A cigarette after lunch, that is systematically. But that is the only one that is systematic. (laughs) But it's... So I I find this is a process that I'm actively aware of. So it's like I'm actively thinking about it. What are these cravings? What are they telling me? But also, this is then part of the cravings question... If that craving is... okay, now there's a lot to be said about this, right? It's <laughs> a very slippery slope, and I'm aware of what I'm saying, but just to put it out there yeah. as a statement, if that craving is there, how bad is that? Now of course there are a lot of health risks linked yeah, with yeah. cigarettes. Oh. But it's also it's craving something, and so clearly there if it would be only bad, nobody would smoke.
1: Don't you think it's a mental craving?
0: No, I don't think so. Because there is I mean, something, that mm. it's an emotional craving. It's oh, yeah, uh, okay. So that's maybe what you mean with mental. But it's like, there is, right now, and maybe I feel very differently about it if I smoke 40 more years and I get massive lung cancer, <laughs> then maybe I feel very differently about it. But mm. right now I feel like, I know that there is so much evidence of how bad, how destructive mm-hmm. this is to your body. At the same time, there's something really nice about it. Mm. There's something really comforting, grounding uh, for me in these situations. And so then for me, it's just like it outweighs the mental part. Maybe that's my lack of ability to think long term. But uh, there's something nice about it. There's Mm. something so good about it that makes me feel better and allows me to make more out of my life right Mm. now right now
1: no i i I completely i mean don't get me wrong i completely understand your picture um and especially when you're talking about balancing Mm. out um i just think it's funny to i've never heard it in in this in this setting Um,
0: And one caveat here is, of course, that if all smoking would have been banned and tobacco would nowhere be available, this craving would have never started. So that is the whole flip side of it. Then this need for it, for this destructive thing, would have never existed. So maybe it is better if it's completely banned. But
1: (laughs) people are going to do it anyway. People are going to do it anyway,
0: (laughs) and now it does exist, and it does. This is what it's same when I crave candy a lot, and I can crave candy like I, I. and now I just embrace it. like, if I crave that sweet stuff, as you say, eat it. And you better just eat it. Don't eat a sugar-free alternative. Just eat that thing yeah. until you feel sick. And then you feel sick. And then you're like, hey, I don't want to eat this for weeks now. Yeah. So the next day I do it again. But <laughs> that's <laughs> another story. <laughs> that's another story. But uh, equally, yeah. when then your body asks for a cucumber yeah. or a broccoli, mm-hmm. I also listen very much to that. Yeah. So yesterday I ate my broccoli. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. like, so then... That is the flip side of it. you got to yeah. listen to both sides. Mm-hmm. And you got to respect both sides. Yeah. And that is, for me, balance. That is the truth of it all. But you can only do balance by listening and going for it. I love that. Boom. 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 Mic drop. Boom. Mic drop.
1: <laughs> Shall I drop? <laughs> <laughs> no, Please don't. <laughs> uh, it has been, I feel like we can literally talk for hours. Yes. It's fun. I don't, I don't feel like we've talked enough today, and we've talked for two hours. <laughs> yes. um, I'm so
0: happy I'm not the one editing this. <laughs> it's wonderful. Well,
1: I enjoy that part as well, because Good. I have some lo-fi music in my head.
0: <laughs> Sponsored by.
1: <laughs> right? Uh, no, but thank you so much for thank wanting you. to be here. Absolutely. It, I'm, I feel so lucky that I met you.
0: Such a, fun coincidence, it's such a fun coincidence, I think.
1: It's such a fun coincidence. think so. Because I asked you in the end of our conversation at the event, I was like, would you w- want to be yeah. on the podcast? You were like, i love to. Yeah, absolutely. I love when stuff like this happens easily. Exactly. That's when it turns good.
0: That's my belief. Yeah, uh, I love it. Yeah. And finally, for me to say as well, I think what is so nice with providing a podcast and the fact that you do it, for example, for me, that makes me feel very... Maybe I know something. Maybe the, it's a, it's a great little confidence boost. It's oh, a great yeah. little. So I think it's fantastic that you enjoy it also doing this and that you're good at it. And because it's also th- I think important to remember that when you then invite somebody on the podcast, at least for me, that feels like a little honor. That's <laughs> like yeah, that, oh, that's that makes amazing. Me so happy to so hear. that's a nice thing.
1: Oh, I'm so happy. I'm. S- I've been so excited since the day I met you to have this episode because I think creative processes are so unique but universal at ah, the same time. The
0: struggles are universal. Struggles the details are, yeah. are different.
1: Exactly, exactly. Ah. And I really think this episode is, is going to mean a lot to a lot of people out there who are also going through the same struggles, maybe in the same way mm. or... In a different path. Yes. Once again, thank you so much for coming here and sharing your experience and knowledge.
0: Thank you for having me. Seriously. It was wonderful.
1: And maybe I'll invite you again.
0: Sweet. (laughs) Happy to talk.
1: Perfect. Okay, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode. Maybe I will make it a two-part series because (laughs) this was a long one. Remember to follow access.podcast on Instagram and listen to this podcast on every streaming platform there is. (laughs) All right. Bye, guys. Bye.